Hey, hello and welcome back to Of Two Minds. I'm Wally and joined here today by Patrick. How are you today, Patrick? I'm pretty good, actually. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. And as they say, no one listens anyway. I get that all the time. I don't know why people say it. Well, therapists listen. Because they get paid a lot to do so. That is true. Would you just listen to everybody off the street? Would you invite them in on, and lay, tell them to lay on your couch and tell you all your problems? Without uh, getting paid? No, probably not. Yeah, that'd be a hard sell for me, too. I don't know yeah. what I would even do with that. Like, be lining up my I, door. Yeah, people ask me for advice, too. And like, people have asked me for, like, relationship advice. It's before I even had a relationship, they would ask me sometimes. It's like, I don't really know why you're asking me. I'll try to help, but... Do the best you can, I guess. I don't, I don't have experience here, and then, like, once I do, then it's kind of like, well, you just gotta do this and this and this, and you're like, oh, it's so hard. It's like, okay. <laughs> I feel it doesn't have to be hard. No, just be nice and be yourself. And communicate. And communicate. So what have you been up to this week, Walter? Anything, any new events in life? No, not really. Kind of loud. Fed your snake today? Yep, I fed Sir his today. And she crawled out of your bathtub? Yeah, so I put the one mouse in, and she, as she was eating that one, I walked away doing other things, and I come back, I put the second mouse in, and she's crawling out of the bathtub. That's fun. How do how does the snakes? Do they like? Do they have any sort of support? Like, are they sticky or anything? No, not really. They just have really strong muscles. So they're they're muscular, so she can kind of just like tighten her muscles at the bottom of the tub as she's stretching up to the top. Yeah, for, um, so sometimes in her, in her own cage, she can actually sit there and pretty much stand on her tail. Really? Like she's she, her muscles are strong enough to lift herself the entire way up, and then she can even go up and then bend at a ninety degree angle. That's awesome. Yeah, their their muscles are extremely strong. If you ever, if you ever hold one, and you feel it wrapping around your arm. You can really feel its muscles. I bet. Does she do that sometimes or no? Yeah, I mean, she doesn't, like, wrap around to, like, constrict, but she'll wrap around to hold on. Mm-hmm. And then even just when she's moving, you can feel the muscles moving, and they're really tough muscles. I bet. So what is... I never asked you this. What is so like when she's, like, when she's attached to something and I'm trying to get her off, I really got to sit there and, like, try yeah, to get her off her because off. she does not like to let go. Yeah. What is the reactivity of a snake? Because I always see, like, some, like dogs and cats, like, you do something, they respond, you call them, they come here. Like, do, can you interact at all with the snake? I mean, I can. She won't answer to her name or anything. No, so they don't do that. Can you, like, if you, like, she recognizes you? Yeah, I think she recognizes me as the person who feeds you. Oh, okay. You know, I mean... Usually, sometimes if I go in to grab her, she'll curl up in a ball, which is the defensive mechanism. Mm, okay. And then once she feels comfortable, yeah, she'll curl up in a ball, I'll pick her up, and then once she feels comfortable or recognizes me or something, she'll start uncurling and crawling away. Slithering away, not crawling. I was going to say, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Snake that crawls, people are going to be like having nightmares about that stuff. Right? That'd be scary. Well, as much as we always talk about Walt, uh, Walter Snake, you'd think it was a snake podcast. But what are we talking about today, Walter? 
We're talking about our second leukocyte, lymphocytes. Alright, and leukocytes are the white blood cells that prevent you from getting sick or try to fix you when you do. Yes, sir. So, last week we talked about, we talked about neutrophils, which those are the most common. So, lymphocytes would be the second most common, then, if we're going in any sort of type of order here. So, yeah, so you ready? Let's just dive right into the world of lymphocytes. Alright, yeah, I feel like lymphocytes are probably the one most people recognize because of, like, lymph nodes. They recognize yeah. the word more than anything. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's the uh, second most abundant. I think I saw that it was between 20 and 40% of all your white blood cells are uh, lymphocytes. Yes, that is correct. So they're not the 60-ish you know, percent of neutrophils, but they're pretty far up there. Yeah, and these ones, um, they originate in your yellow bone marrow, where most of them originate in the red. Lymphocytes actually originate in the yellow. And those, they get their color, the bone marrow gets its color from just it's named just from its color, right? Yeah, because, um, so the red bone marrow is where blood forms. Okay. And the uh, yellow bone marrow is actually where your body stores a lot of yellow adipose fat tissue. Oh, okay. So it's pretty much just fat storage. And when your body needs to, it can actually convert that back into red. Mm -hmm. Like if it needs to pump out a bunch of, make a bunch of blood real quick, it can convert it. Oh, okay. That's, that's very interesting. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, and you're actually born with no yellow bone marrow. When you're born, all your bone marrow is red. And then as it gets, as you age, it starts to differentiate. Yep, as you don't need to pump out as much blood anymore, you start forming yellow bone marrow. That makes sense, because you constantly have to make more blood as you're growing, because you hold more blood. Yep, as your body's expanding, growing upwards, mm -hmm. you have to and produce you, more. And you tend to lose more, sadly, when you get older, too. You get into injuries and such. That's true, too. So, yeah, if you have, like, a traumatic injury and you lose a lot of blood, that's when your body will start converting that yellow bone marrow back to red so it can replace that blood. That's very interesting. I did not know that, actually. Yes, sir. But, so, it comes from the yellow bone marrow, and specifically it comes from stem cells, which are very controversial in today's science because of what people can do with them and where you get them. But these can't really help, come from hematopoietic stem cells, which is kind of like blank blood cells, you could say. Like, whenever you look at the tree of where all the blood cells come from, both you know, red blood cells, white blood cells, and everything, platelets even, you kind of, they all stem from this. So, it starts off as a hematopoietic stem cell, and then there are two different progenitor groups that form, and there's the myeloid and the lymphoid, and kind of as we said, dealing with the lymph nodes and such, you can think that the lymphocytes come from the lymphoid progenitor group. And they actually become something a lot of people have probably heard about, which is B and T cells. So you might not have heard what a lymphocyte is, but you probably heard that you have T cells, or B cells, or memory T cells, and whatnot. And yeah, this is where they come from, and they are types of lymphocytes. Yeah, so the um, the first type we have here is the, the B lymphocytes, or also called B cells. And out of all your lymphocytes, they make up about 10%. And then that's actually split down into categories, too. You have your memory B cells, 
which these are the ones that after a virus or bacteria enters your body, once once your body expels it, it creates the antibodies for it. These ones retain those antibodies just in case it comes back. Mm -hmm. So they're actually so very long-lasting. They actually can remain for decades, and if you ever watch a cartoon about it, they'll depict them as old men or wizards. Especially if you ever watch like a crash course, crash course video. I've so never think of these seen guys that. as the think of these guys as the old wizards. You remember that show Osmosis Jones? I don't. You know, I heard of it. I think I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever seen it though. I think he was a white blood cell, and then really? his yeah he was like a cop or something. And his uh his partner was a pill. That's awesome. But I don't know what type of white blood cell he was or anything like that. He kind yeah, of attacked right everything. Down. Yeah, there's a movie. I think it's a movie. I'm gonna write that down and watch that later. That's awesome. That's what this makes me think of. But I, like I said, I don't know what type of white blood cell he was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it ever specified. Yeah, we can do an episode on Osmosis Jones someday. Yeah, um, Bill Murray's in it. That's awesome. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's, it's actually really cool. It's a good movie. Alright, well anyway, this is the <laughs> first, second, third, whatever, second sidetrack of the night. <laughs> Still That's science related though. You're right. So these memory B cells last a really long time, and they retain, and their purpose is basically if, you know, you come in contact with a virus, you know, whenever you're five and your body fights it off, it shouldn't be very hard to fight off the same virus again because you've already been exposed to it, and that's where these guys come in. So they basically, as you said, hold on to chunks of um, you know, the, the pathogen that was trying to hurt you in some way or another and keep them for years. So, you know, that's why people, that's how, you know, the immunology works. If you get exposed to something now, you may not ever have an issue with it later because of these guys. This is also why... Found that, oh, hmm? Go ahead. Oh, I just found that these uh, these V cells are abundant in the spleen. There's a lot of cells, like a lot of stuff that happens with the spleen and blood you'll find. And it's also interesting, and I didn't know this, but the memory B cells tend to reside in the body where your body expects them to attack again. So a good example of that would be, you know, if, if, if there are certain bacteria that are always on your hands because you're always touching certain things, and, you know, your body expects them to enter with the cuts of your hands and such, that's where these memory B cells for that specific antigen, for that specific bacteria or whatever it may be, will reside. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it is really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's also, these memory cells is why, like, so people like us who are used to, like, common cold and the flu, it doesn't do that much damage to us because our body can fight it off. But if you, mm -hmm. would, if you would go to, like, an indigenous population somewhere in the Amazon rainforest and give them the common cold, it would more than likely wipe their entire population out. Because mm -hmm. they have no immune immune response to that. Or, I'm sorry, they mm -hmm. have no memory to that. Yeah, they have no resistance. That's a better word. Which is interesting. Alright, so the other type of B-cell um, is called a regulatory B-cell. And these are kind of helpful in toning down an immune response. They're immunosuppressive, so suppress immune, suppress the immune system. And they basically try to prohibit the T cells from going out of control in how many they are. They're also called Bragg cells. The regulatory B are also called Bragg cells. 
and it's kind of helpful because you know whenever the immune system you, you have to suppress it sometimes because you don't want it attacking everything you know you don't want it killing good bacteria you don't want it killing you because it is very well capable of doing so so that's where these guys come in so you can kind of think of them as you know regulatory they regulate and they kind of help you know the T cells from going out of control you know think of memory you know, they remember stuff they remember infections that happened long long ago so it's important to know the difference because they're important cells. Yes, they are very important cells. So these ones also, um, so after they're created, they mature in the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. And of course, they'll go to other specific sites, like you said. And they actually make the antibodies. So each one has, a, or each antibody specific to each B cell. So each memory cell learns a different antibody. And then it'll mark antigens for destruction. So if it recognizes that thing came back, it'll mark it to be killed. Mm. I remember learning in, in micro, there's different ways the antibodies can do it too. I know that they can, because antibodies are those little Y-shaped things, they have heavy and light chains on them, and there are different classes of them, like IgG, IgM, and such. And I know that some of them are can, you know, take the antigens that they stick to, and it can just, kind of just cover them, so then they can't do anything anymore. So it's kind of like if you have, I don't know, like a, a sticky thing of Play-Doh and you know you're throwing at the wall and it sticks at the wall and it's not good because every time it sticks at the wall it hurts the wall, you know, it takes the paint off or whatever. And you basically just cover it in a whole bunch of little spikes. The next time you throw it at the wall it's not going to stick anymore. It kind of covers it and protects it from doing anything. And I've also heard that some of them can just kind of clump everything together, like clump multiple different like pathogens together. So, it's kind of interesting how they work. And obviously they mark things for destruction. If a, you know, a different kind of cell sees it, oh, this guy's covering antibodies. Let's get it. Kill it. That's a good analogy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that would work out. <laughs> yeah, so that brings us to our uh, second type, the T-lymphocytes or T-cells. And this makes up the vast majority. It makes up 80% of all your lymphocytes are... Yeah, T cells, and these also come in multiple different types. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the uh, cytotoxic T, also uh, the CD8 plus. These uh, lice virus infected cells, as well as tumor cells, so specific to those types. Uh, they're also the ones that are responsible for transplant rejection. So if you get like a kidney transplant or any other organ. You don't take the immunosuppressant drugs, these are what will go and attack that organ, mm -hmm. which is not what you want. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. No. <laughs> but those immunosuppressant drugs can also hurt you as well. Mm -hmm. You have to get a good balance because then your immune system can't fight off actual bad things, not just organs that should be there. Yeah, because if you suppress too much, then other diseases are going to come in and run rampant and your body's not going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And then they use uh, the MHC class 1 to recognize targets via their surface, so that's attached to the surface and that's how they recognize these virus infected cells or tumor cells within the body. Okay, so that's cytotoxic, so those are kind of like the fighters of them all. 
and you know the biggest thing to remember about them is just the lysing that if they come across a cell that is infected with viruses they're going to make it explode which is good because you don't want that cell to continue making viruses to then infect other cells yeah that, that would be good I mean eventually that cell is going to lice on its own once enough viruses are in there yeah depending on which uh, cycle it goes through though that's true because you have the, the lytic and the lysogenic so sometimes they just kind of keep turning them out and turning them out but obviously eventually the cell will die yeah, I don't know. So, what other kind of T cells are there, Walter? Um, so after the cytotoxic, you got the helper T cells, uh, CD4+, and these help uh, the B cells mature into plasma and memory B cells. So they assist in that. Mm. I'm actually not quite sure how they do that, though. No, and I don't that's, know if you have anything on that. Probably, probably for a more, more deeper episode, and in a lot of the research that we found, it, it doesn't go into the the specific physiology of what happens. Um, it would be cool to go into that in a future episode, though. But I think they just kind of, you know, when with the presence of them, that's whenever the B cells can do that. Because, you know, obviously all these cells become other kinds of cells eventually, or they stay around or they die. So, you know, it's very important that, you know, the B cells mature and then turn into their, you know, their the two types we mentioned, the plasma and the memory. So it kind of seems like because of these cells, they can do that. So some sort of product must be created in order to help that along. Yeah, so it's probably a more very in-depth immunological thing, mm -hmm. which I'm actually taking immunology this upcoming semester, so I might end up learning exactly how they do that. Yeah, so we will definitely have to get into some more research. Maybe we could highlight some questions from episodes, maybe just make a question and answer episode sometime. You know, if anybody has questions, you can ask on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah, our, we have an email address that's, I think, linked with our podcast. Yeah, go on and find us and ask us questions, and we'll try to answer as best we can. Absolutely. So that's the big thing they do. Another thing they do is they also uh, they activate cytotoxic T cells and macrophages. Mm -hmm. so they're just kind of like the worker cells of everything. They just kind of help everybody else. They sound like nice guys. I'm sure they are nice. They're very nice guys. <laughs> so they act. They get activated when they're presented with MHC class two molecules on antigen presenting cells, and so once they once they're active, they then rapidly divide and, se and secrete cytokine, which are small proteins that aid in immune response. So they have a lot of different functions, mainly helping other cells get ready to fight. Yeah, that's kind of the whole purpose of like the T cell. It's you know the the V cell is hey we're going to remember stuff, and we're going to regulate the immune system. But a lot of the T cells is they're they're the actual fighter cells, but they still do some of the other stuff. There is a type of T cell called regulatory T cells. They're also called suppressor T cells. And they're kind of similar to the way that the regulatory B cells work in that they kind of just regulate the immune system and the immune response to make sure that it doesn't get out of hand. Um, again, for a future episode, we could delve more detail into some of these types of cells because there's so much more. But as a bird's eye view of everything, which we try to give everybody with some details here and there, Regulate the immune system. Regu regulatory B, regulatory T. 
So that's the big takeaway from this section, I guess you could say. Absolutely. And, and the other parallel here is um, another type of T cell is the memory T cell, just as there's a memory B cell. And whenever you have a naive T cell, so whenever they say naive, it, it's kind of like when you say someone's naive, they don't, they're very easily led along, you know, they don't see something that they should, they don't know something that someone else knows, they're naive to it. And naive cells basically mean they haven't con come in contact with any of the bad things yet, so they don't have experience with an antigen under their belt. But whenever a naive cell becomes, it be whenever it comes in contact with an antigen rather, they can become a memory cell. So these are again long-lived and whenever they come in contact with the antigen again, so you know a memory T cell encounters that same virus that you had in you three days ago, they can cause more helper and more cytotoxic T cells to proliferate and you know float around the blood and cause destruction and wreak absolute havoc because of the good old immune system. So yeah, very important cells again. Oh, very much so. A lot of these are very important. Like you said, we're just kind of doing like an overview. There, These are a lot more in-depth, mm -hmm. but this is just the basic stuff you should know about the cells that keep you alive. Yeah, we like to kind of do just like a crash course on everything that you need to know so then you don't have to wonder. Because I always ask myself, people talk about things all the time. Especially people that don't know a ton about science, but they know enough. And they'll mention something, and, you know, they go to the doctors or whatever, and they'll come home and be like, oh, my uh, white blood count's low. Well, everybody knows what that is, you know, low amount of cells, but no one really knows what it means. Or if they come home and they say, yep, my, uh, my platelet count's low. Well, what's a platelet? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, it's important they kind of know these things, just in a, in a general sense. You don't have to know what they're made of, but what they are. Did we cover platelets when we talked about blood? Uh, a little bit. That's probably going to be towards the end of this series of cell episodes. I think we could probably do one on platelets because they're very important. Plus they're interesting how they form. They are very interesting. That's a story for another topic. Fragments. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely add that to the list. And oh, absolutely. The last, the last type of T cell to recognize is the natural killer cell. People call them NK cell, NK T cell, whatever you want to call them. And so the MHC classes of class 1 and class 2, they're what you call antigen classes. And those are the main two. And these natural killer cells can recognize antigens aside from those two classes. And then once they recognize something, they kind of act like the cytotoxic and the helper T cells to wreak havoc, you know, and help others wreak havoc. So they call them natural killers, kind of just based on the idea that they don't have any specific thing that they want to kill, they just kind of want to kill everything. So, you know, a cytotoxic T cell is going to be like, hey, I found you, MHC class 1, I'm going to kill whatever is attached to you. These are like, I'll kill anything. <laughs> so, don't care what they're very helpful. Head. Yeah, like if you see one of them coming, you just just kiss your butt goodbye because it's not going to happen. Sorry, virus, you're, you're you weren't ever alive, but now you're even less alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's an an old joke, an old reference. <laughs> All right, 
So, what else about these T-cells before we move on to the more general lymphocytes, Walter? So the T-cells, um, like the other ones, they are formed in the yellow bone marrow, mm -hmm. but, but they don't actually mature there. They move up into the thymus, which is a re region, I believe it's a gland, glandular region, right between your lungs, the top of them. Okay, okay. So that's where they mature, and then from there, they'll enter, enter the cortex, which is the outer layer of the cerebrum. It's just uh, folded gray matter. This is actually the, I think it's the, the cortex of the thymus, though, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, you're correct with the cortex of the brain, though. But whenever they call it, like, the, the cortex and the medulla, like, they're the same parts as the brain, I think they mean, like, the specific parts within the thymus. Which, I'm not an expert on these organs. I'm not, I don't even know what a thymus really looks like. But it's important to recognize, you know where these T-cells mature, I guess you could say. So, I'm actually going to look that up because I kind of want to know. This is a little bit of a hole in our research, I guess. I probably should have put more down here. Yeah, whenever, whenever I hear cortex, first thing I think of is the cerebrum. I, I do too. I always think of that. You were correct, though. It's right above the lung. Yeah, it should be uh, right between them from that. I'm pretty sure the thymus is a gland, if I remember from histology. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah, so, um, just a quick, I don't know, I have an image here that helps. So, you have the thymus, and kind of think of, like, if you took an Easter egg, and you crumpled up a, this is my analogy night, take an Easter egg and you crumple up a tissue and put it inside the Easter egg and close it. Okay, so, the cortex is the tissue, and the medulla is everything but the tissue. So, the cortex kind of surrounds the shell. You know, the the it surrounds the the lining. You know, of the the thymus. So just as that tissue, you know, it's, the tissues have a little elasticity. They're going to kind of push against the the eggshell a little bit. So that's the cortex, and then think of the medulla as just the space inside. So. You know, these cells enter, you know, they go to the thymus to mature, and you could think T, thymus, B, bone marrow, that's where they mature. So they enter the cortex, proliferate, so make a bunch of them, mature, and that's where the actual maturation occurs. Then they go to the medulla, which again is just like the space inside the Easter egg that's not the tissue, and then from there they enter the blood. So. You kind of think of it in histology, I think he showed to the. I think you showed that the center area in like a histological specimen is kind of lighter, and then as they move out, as they mature, they start. There's a whole bunch of them right at the edges, so it gets mm -hmm. darker there. Yeah, okay. That actually would that make is more a sense. common feature. I mean, even in bodies, you know, think of how much more stuff is at your skin than inside your flesh. That's interesting. That's my phone, not the cortex of the brain. No, you're good. I, I, that's why we're here. We're here to correct each other as we go, because we want everybody to have the facts. So I correct Walter, he corrects me, it happens. Because the brain also has a medulla, which I think those two are pretty much just common terms throughout different parts of the body. Yeah, I, I know. Like the, I know there's like the, the cortex of the kidneys, I believe. That's an easy one, too. And again, it's kind of like what you're saying about histology. That's how organs 
and specimens tend to look, you know, they get darker as they go out, so they have more structures as they go out. And, I mean, if you really wanted to see corrections, you should have seen us when we used to talk about all the stuff that worked, and we just, we corrected everybody. <laughs> I think they got annoyed with us. Right. <laughs> and of course, you know, we're, like, we're still learning ourselves. Like, some of the stuff, some of the stuff we know, some of the stuff we learn as we go. Yeah, it, it's fascinating, too, because we learn a lot as we go. And I, I recently, um, I had a meeting with a couple of professors for a research project the other day, and I was talking to them, and they were saying that they both agreed that if a professor wants to learn a new subject, the best way to do it is to teach it first. And people say that's really stupid because why would you teach something you don't know anything about? But if you have to teach a class on it, you're going to learn it, and you're going to realize that you have to pass it on, so you will therefore learn it. Which is an interesting concept, which is kind of like what we're doing. Like We don't know anything about this, we're teaching it before we are experts or anything. You know, someday we might be experts. And even then, there's still going to be stuff we don't know. Exactly. But because we're teaching it, you know, we have to do the research. We have to find, like, I always try to fill up, you know, a couple pages of notes here because I like to have enough stuff that we can talk and yammer on for half an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, so I always figure it's, it's interesting to do it that way. Plus, you know, it teaches us. And then, exactly. you know, I, I, we can tell people about this stuff. And, you know, we don't remember everything, but that's why the Internet's a thing. That's why books exist. That is true. All right. So we are, we are passing down in our list of things to the area that you did the most work on. So I'm going to let you explain the last chunks of this because you probably will know more about it than I do. All right. So the next thing, um, so both these types of, all your lymphocytes, they, you know, they start off in the bone marrow and they go, some go elsewhere to mature, some stay in the bone marrow to mature, but they end up always outside of that. So they live in like your lymph nodes, which are different pockets around your body. There's a lot of them in your chest. Mm -hmm. They live in there, they live in your blood and other places like some organs, like you said about the spleen. The spleen's a big one. Mm -hmm. In your spleen, if I'm not mistaken, so blood comes filtering down through the spleen. And then these cells, so that they don't get washed away, they're actually connected to reticular fibers, which are what hold them in place. That's interesting. That way so they, like they can still... Arms. Yeah, it's like, so there's reticular fibers that are created from reticular cells, I don't remember the exact name, but these cells pretty much make these, like, fibers, and then all these, all the lymphocytes, they connect to that. That way when the blood comes washing down through, they don't get swept away, but they can still test the blood for antigens, stuff like that. That's interesting. And then your tonsils are kind of like the same thing as your thymus. It's just a group of lymphocytes. Mm -hmm. in, and there's you actually have three tonsils, I believe, in the back of your throat. There's one right under your tongue, and then there's two, I think, right about the root of your mouth, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And so those things, they're there because your mouth is an opening into your body, so there's going to be a lot of air coming in, that air carries bacteria. So they're there for a quick response. That way if some bad bacteria do come in, they're there already. They can just quickly get to the site, they can kill it, they can get rid of it. Mm -hmm. A side note on that, I remember hearing sometimes someone said that, I don't know if this is, I don't know how much research has been done on this yet, but they say that you can be more prone to infection 
if you get your tonsils out because the tonsils are so valuable to the lymphatic system and they can contain so many white blood cells that reside there and wait for, you know, like you said, bacteria to enter via the mouth. So they say that you can be more prone to infection based on not having your tonsils. But obviously if your tonsils become inflamed and you can't do anything about it, you have to get them out or bad things happen. And that's called tonsillitis. Tonsillitis. Inflammation of... And since um, like your lymph nodes, your tonsils, they're not a true organ, so they're not like like how the stomach has a lining. They can easily see the exact shape of the stomach. Your kidneys have a lining, so it's easy to take them out if they have to. The yeah. the the tonsils really don't have that outer lining. So when a doctor goes in and scrapes it out, sometimes they can actually miss some of it. And if they miss some of it, it'll actually grow back and then become inflamed again. That's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, I remember my histology professor talking about that. That was a good class. It was a good class. I need that kind of class. <laughs> I'll be getting enough of that. I've heard of it physiology. That'll cover a lot of stuff, but still. Yeah, I'm taking some interesting class. I'm excited about the biology of cancer. That's going to be very interesting, which actually has a... What we're talking about tonight has a little bit to do with that because they will try to attack those cells too. Yeah, tumor cells. Yeah, so whenever we say that, you know, these the immune system, especially these lymphocytes, will try to attack a cell that's become affected by a virus, that is all types of pathogens. So it's, you know, viruses, uh, you know, bacteria. If it's cancerous, that can even be attacked. The, you know, natural killer cells can recognize those. Um, yeah, you know, different types of the cells can recognize different things, but it, it all fights the same stuff. Even other parasites, you know, people, you know, just say viruses and bacteria. There are other, you know, microbes that can wreak havoc. I think there's so. one of these, one of the types of leukocytes. I don't remember exactly which one. Maybe is sinophils. They mm -hmm. actually, their primary job is to kill parasites. I believe you're right. Which we're going to get to. Is that next episode? Um, no, next episode should be monocytes or filter folk. Monocytes are a thing? Or macrophages? Which one? Ah, uh, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I, I want to say monocytes. Let me make sure. Because it's never let monkeys eat bananas. I think it's monocytes. Yep, monocytes are a type of leukocyte. Yep. They, they're actually, so macrophages are actually monocytes. But oh, okay, so they'll be covered in the same one. I thought yeah. so. I was thinking, I think they're always together. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, so those will be covered next time. But one of those types, one of those three remaining types, I remember learning in parasitology that their primary job is to actually kill parasites. That's interesting. Now, which one, I don't remember for sure, but we're going to find out. Yeah, we will learn next week. It might be next, might be monocytes, who knows? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, right. so... What else about T-cell, or, um, Lucas, lymphocytes, oh my, lymphocytes. So the next thing we have here is about a little bit of information about the response. So ant 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 antigens are transported to a lymphatic tissue by antigen-presenting cells. And these would, like you said, as explained earlier, they'll display, the, uh, display it as an MH MHC molecule on the surface. And then once they get there, the T cells recognize it and become activated. And then they're sent out to do their job. 
Mm-hmm. And then, just like, just like we talked about last time, there are a few diseases associated with these type of things. There's a lymphos- lymphocytosis, which is when you have too many lymphocytes. And then there's lymphopenia, which is too few. So just like last time, there's a there's a good balance in between. You don't want too many, but you don't want too few. Mm-hmm. And then they can also be malignantly transformed into chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which leukemia is a blood cancer. Uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, another type of blood cancer. And also certain types of lymphoma, which is the cancer of the lymphatic system. It usually affects your lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. So... I don't have too much information on those diseases. Like I said, a couple of them are cancerous, which is kind of ironic because these cells are supposed to kill cancer. Yeah, but the body has its mistakes. Yep, the body's not perfect. Nothing is. So the size also depends entirely on species. It can be smaller, medium, or larger, all dependent upon the species that they're present in. Which is interesting because people don't always realize that animals have immune systems too, or they would get sick constantly and die. And they have, you know, similar cells than we do, it's just different sizes, obviously. Yeah, because we all kind of evolved from similar ancestors a long, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. So as we evolved, we all had evolved ways of protecting ourselves, or else our species would not make it. And we all have common enemies too, you know. Bacteria infect dogs just like they affect us, and so forth. Exactly. So then there's also different types of lymphatic tissue. They're all technically the same type, these three. It's just they're named differently depending on where they're found. Uh-huh. So you have the malt, which is mucosa-associated lymphatic t- tissue, which deals with any type of mucus. Or like, so like that would be like kind of like uh, the lining of your throat, the lining of your nostrils, it's mucus. Mm-hmm. You have the galt, which is your gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which this is a, an important one because in your gut there is something called uh, Peyer's patches. Okay. And they're large patches of lymphocytes. There's a whole bunch of them there, and they're right at the beginning of the the ileum, which I believe is at the beginning of your um, intestine leading down from the stomach. should be right there, close to the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And the reason there, there's so many right there is because as you eat food and it gets digested, if the stomach acid doesn't kill all the bacteria, that bacteria will travel down into your digestive system. So then these lymphocytes are Con- congregated there, so that way if that does happen, they're ready, they're there, and they can kill it. Just a quick correction, the ileum is actually what connects it, the small intestine to the large intestine. Okay. So they were, but yeah, they are, I'm pretty sure they're part of the ileum, let me make sure on that. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't remember exactly where the ileum, then there's the duodenum, the ileum, the Yeah, the duodenum is the first one from the stomach. Okay, and so then the jejunum and then the ilium. Okay. So DJI. Not a sponsor. We're not a drone show. Yet. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the pirate patches are 
found throughout the ilium. So they'll kill them before they get to your large intestine. Interesting. So then the last one is BOLT, which is uh, the bronchus-associated lymphatic tissue, which that just means any any lymphatic tissue associated with your lung area. So I, I believe the thymus would probably fall under that that uh, yeah, group. Yeah, general vicinity. Yeah, so they're all the same. Like, there's no real difference between those three types. They're just mm. named differently depending on what region you find them. Which is important to know because they're, you know, the body is organized and you have to have sections. So this is where you're going to find a lot of certain things. You know, just as you, know, you could consider an organ is just a whole collection of a, bit of a more dense specialized type of cell than in another area in particular. You know, it's, it's not necessarily where everything is, it's just where there happens to be more of something. Yeah, the body tends to put these patches of lymphatic tissue in key positions where it knows that a bacterial infection could happen, and if it happened there, it would not be good. Yeah, like in the gut, you know, in the mucosa. And that's mainly the job of, like, mucus, for instance, and nose especially, is to just stop pathogens from getting anywhere. And you obviously, okay, so you, you know, breathe in bacteria, and they get stuck in the mucosa and the lining of your nose and the lining of your throat, whatever. You still don't want them to proliferate there, so obviously you have to have cells there to defend against that stuff. Yes, sir. You know, so it's kind of like, well, you know, we don't just want to stop the bad guy. So, okay, here's another analogy. Everybody escapes a jail. <laughs> and this is like a hardened prison. This is like the bad, bad dudes and the bad, bad girls in there. So, the, they come out, you know, it's a it's a jailbreak. And, but there's a whole bunch of guards outside. And they're in a moat. And all of the jailbirds inside just run out and just run into the moat. Okay, well, the moat stopped them. But, you know, they're going to get comfy in that moat, they're going to have kids in that moat, and eventually <laughs> that moat's going to be a whole zone of crime. You don't want that. Just because it stops them doesn't mean they can't, they can live there and be happy and be, oh yay. No. No moat. I think that was your oddest analogy yet. It works, so, but... <laughs> malt is like putting some guards in that moat, and they're like, yo... You're here, we're gonna beat the crap out of you now. And you're not gonna be that's what they do to the bacteria. We're gonna beat the crap out of you. Just because we stopped you doesn't mean you can get comfy here either. Why don't the guards just put alligators in the moat? There you go. That's like it that's what <laughs> this stuff is. These are lymphocytes are basically alligators. Medieval cells. In a prison. Exactly. What more do you need than that? I mean, well, <laughs> we should probably wrap things up before I have another stupid analogy. That was stupid. That was, a, that was a good analogy. <laughs> now they're gonna have something to think about. Yeah, oh, you have a lot of things to think about after talking to me, apparently. <laughs> All right. So, well, anyway, I think that gave us a pretty good coverage. Is there anything else you wanted to add about lymphocytes? No, I think that was about everything. I agree. That kind of gave us a good, broad scope of what they do and how they act. And you know, now whenever people, uh, it's cool to have sections like we're doing where we pick, you know, leukocytes and just talk about all of them because then it gives you a, a more in-depth view. And obviously we say as we go, we don't, we can't tell you everything because we don't know everything. 
but it, it gives you more than if we just had one white blood cells episode where we just say lymphocytes do this and that's it yeah like how we talk about blood we kind of mentioned the leukocyte yeah, and that's when we decided that we, we should do an episode for each one of these yeah because these things are all very important and definitely something too to realize people look up pictures of these you know before during after the podcast and if you listen to them and you want because they all look different and you know you can you can recognize them and you could even just pull up just a slide of blood and you could kind of pick them out and obviously the most common thing in blood that you're going to find are going to be you know red blood cells but you know you take a, a blood smear of someone and you put it on a slide you can you can see the white ones too there, there are not as many of them you know it might be one in a hundred or whatever or even less sometimes even one in one thousand or more one in a million but they're there and you can you can pick them out you can point and say hey that's a that's a white blood cell what kind is it identify it exactly which the more you know that's what we're trying to do here we're nerds we want more people to be nerds knowledge is power knowledge is power you're right I don't know who said that but it's true I don't actually know somebody along the line said that the old quote alright so sources for today yeah we'll call it anonymous we'll call it uh, what what do they always say proverbs So the sources for today, we have medicalnewstoday.com, we have teachmephysiology.com, and we have the NCVI, which is definitely, I, I know we always mention them as we go, where we always type them in the notes, no one really looks at them in there, I feel like it's better if we just have a nice little citation at the end here. Oh yeah, no NCVI is a really good stuff. site. Yes, definitely check out the NCVI, it's, it's very deep though. It, it, I find sometimes it's hard to read on there because it's such a high level, but that's important because it's the fact. It is. You can find a lot of good stuff on there. You're right. I always said every time, I try to do this after I talk to you because you inspire me to do this stuff, but I would love to make myself read like a scientific article a day because I am so awful at reading them because they're so hard to read. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things if I could overcome, I would be so much better off in life. They are they are difficult to read. They really are. Sometimes it's yeah. easier just to find somebody who reads it and then breaks it down and just gives you the info. You're right. Uh, I feel like if I... It's like anything. Practice makes perfect. And if I just made myself say, I'm going to read one scientific article, one primary source, I guess you could say, published paper a day, or try to read a bunch a week even, I felt like it would just it would help me so much, which I might try to do. I might try to read one before I go to bed tonight, but I'm getting tired, so I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll probably start reading it and be like, I have no idea even what my name is anymore after reading this stuff, because I'm just going to go to bed before I'm on the head. Yeah, and I'll be up for quite a while. Oh, you always play video games after this, don't you? Yeah, that or I watch Hulu, Netflix. I binge-watch a lot, but school starting back watching? up, so... Um, I've been binge-watching... A lot of uh, superhero shows. I've watched Cloak and Dagger, The Runaways, Agent Carter. I'm working on The Gifted. Nice. Really good shows. I still haven't gotten into much of that. I do have Hulu. Apparently there's an Apollo documentary. A friend of mine told me on Hulu that's pretty good. I kind of want to watch that. I might actually start into that tonight. I don't know. But <laughs> I haven't binged anything in a while. I used to binge a whole bunch of Netflix shows, mainly just your your typical The Office, Parks and Rec, Stranger Things. I watched season one. I haven't seen any of Stranger Things. 
it's pretty good. I, I want to watch seasons 2 and 3 now that I saw 1, because 1 was fantastic. And I watched, I watched Riverdale. I think I watched the first 1 or 2 seasons. Of, I think I watched season 1 of that. It's kind of a more girly-ish show, but I, I don't know. I was kind of into it at the time. Um, the new Sabrina's really good. It's by the same person who yeah. did Riverdale. Really? Yeah, they actually... I don't. The shows don't really cross over, but they do... In Sabrina, they mention Riverdale a lot. Really? Yeah, it's a it's a Netflix original, and it's it's based on you know Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but it's much darker. See, that's that's what Riverdale always got me because usually when I watch a show and I get into it, there's something interesting about it. It's like if you watch Breaking Bad, you're interested because crime, because it's an interesting story, or maybe you like it because you like science and he's doing science in a van in the desert. Or maybe you just want to learn how to make math. Or you want to learn how to make math? That works or, too. Is that what he makes math, right? Yeah. Okay. I never watched the show, yeah. but I thought that's what it was. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, like I, it was. It's like you can find something. Like the guy's a high school chemistry teacher. You can you can side with that. You can be like, wow, this is cool. How many times do you watch a show about a high school chemistry teacher making but, math? Yeah, making math. <laughs> but like the. The Riverdale, there was nothing about it that appealed to me. Like, there was nothing about it that was like, alright, it's just a bunch of high school girls and high school guys doing high school girl and high school guy things. There was nothing about it that was like, wow, they're really cool, or wow, this is really interesting. Just every episode ended in such a cliffhanger that I had to watch the next one. Oh, I getcha. It just, it was such a unique experience because I was like, I don't really like this, but I have to watch it. And then by the all said and done, like all this crap went down, and I was like, okay, I kind of liked it. Yeah, eventually I have to get that one to show. Rachel really enjoys it. I've never seen it. Like I said, uh, Sabrina was really good, and I think there was another one on Netflix I've watched recently. Yeah, I, I side with entertainment with a lot of my friends and girlfriends for some reason, and I don't really know why. Um, this Is Us on Hulu is fantastic. Uh, what is that? Uh, it's it's set in Pittsburgh, and it's yeah. about this family, and it actually takes place over multiple years. Like it'll flash back thirty years back, it'll flash back to fifty years, it'll flash into the future, it'll flash back like ten years, fifteen, twenty. So it's always it's the same story being told about this family growing up and you know doing the, doing their lives over mm -hmm. many years. Like, it's kind of set That's in present cool. day, and it flashes back to Nam. it flashes back in the 50s, the 40s. And it's just, it's a really, really good story. That's really cool. I would highly recommend that one. That's on Hulu, you said? Yeah, I don't know when, the new season should be coming out soon. I think there's one or two seasons right now. But it has, um... Oh, I can't think of her name. Some She's a singer. She does a lot of acting, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't think of her name. But it's... I started watching that with Rachel and re really got into it. And it's just... it's kind of, I think it's, it's it feels so real. Like, it, the, the, humor is, the humor is very good. And the story just feels like it's actually, like... You, it's something you can really relate to. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. I always like realistic shows that are still good because it's like, wow, this isn't so blown out of the water, you know? Yeah, this one will like really pull on your emotions and 
I'll have to give this one a shot too. I'll have to add these to my list someday to watch. Yes, I highly suggest this and us. Alright. Wish I could think of her name. Yeah. She was the lady in... Mandy Moore? Mandy Moore, that's it, thank you. I just looked her up. <laughs> she was in another movie, I think, about football or something. Mm, I, think I, think was a, I, I think it was a pretty popular one. I want to say The Blind Side, or was that Anne Hathaway? That was... Um, or somebody different. Yeah, that was somebody different. That was, what's her name, what's her name, I can't remember. Sandra Bullock. That's it, she looks like Anne Hathaway, so like the same person. Yeah, they're very similar, you're right. <laughs> yes, Mandy mm. Moore, that's it. I walk to remember. Business. That's what she's in. I walk to remember. Okay. I don't even know if that's about football. I've never seen it, but I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that. Last week we had business news. Today we have entertainment news. Right. Always something yeah. new. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna hear on here. Here, <laughs> on here. All right. All right. Well, well, I, I think that was a good episode. There. That was a very good episode. I agree. Yes, sir. As per usual, um, you matter. Don't uh -huh. die. Plants uh -huh. suck. Uh huh. There you go. And uh, your lymphocytes are good for you. Your lymphocytes are very good. I'm gonna add another one. Don't let the darkness kill the light. I'm gonna add that one. That's gonna be my new little spiritual saying. Don't let the darkness kill the light. That's good. You sound like Dumbledore. I am dumb. I am Dumbledore. I'm a dead wizard. <laughs> he says something along that. He's uh. Hope can be the fine in the darkest group. of times as long as someone remembers to turn on the light. Nice. I, I like think it. I think that's what Dumbledore says. He was always focused on the greater good. Yes, he was. He was a good wizard. He'd kill his best friend to save everybody else. No, he would. He was a very. He was I mean, he wasn't. He's not as not as good as Gandalf, of course. I I need to get into Lord of the Rings, so I can't I can't say. Oh, uh, our our entire wedding's Lord of the Rings. Our rings came in today, by the way. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. They're Lord of the Rings. The cake is Lord of the Rings. I'm going to have to watch it just so I know what's going on. Oh, I highly recommend it because Amazon's coming out with a new show. Oh, shoot. That, that can be your guys' honeymoon. <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I, you binges. <laughs> someday, maybe for like an anniversary or something, we're going to go to New Zealand because that's where it was filmed. Mm -hmm. And I guess in their airport, it's all Lord of the Rings that decor and whatnot. That'd be really cool. Yes, highly recommend Lord of the Rings. You need to watch it. A quick question, though. And this is a spoiler for Harry Potter. You've watched Harry Potter and read the books, right? I haven't read the books. I haven't watched the movies, though. Uh, not the newest was... ones, though. Okay. What was... Uh, I don't know if I should tell you this, then. Because I don't know if you know who all dies. In what? Harry, Harry Potter. This would have been the last movie. Yeah, I've seen all the movies. Oh, you except for except for the newest two, those ones that they go that take place in New York or something. Oh, you haven't seen um, Fantastic Beasts. That's and it. Grindelwald. Okay, I thought you meant Deathly Hollows. Oh no, two. yeah, I've seen Deathly Hollows. Okay, so what was sadder when Dumbledore died in the sixth book movie, or whenever Hedwig died in the last one? Because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I think that Hedwig's death was the, the saddest part of that entire series. And if I remember correctly, she fell off of Hagrid's motorcycle 
and there was just like a flash of green light and they assumed that she died and I was really sad yeah I'd say that was pretty sad I mean Dumbledore was tragic too but those were two of the, those were definitely the worst two but I think Hedwig was a little bit sadder that Al was there from the get go I agree I think have you watched uh, Avengers Endgame I haven't. I haven't seen enough Avengers. I'm slowly getting caught up. Uh, once you get caught up, the newest the Endgame is real sad one. I know. Everybody cried. It was good, though. But it was sad. And there's some sad moments in Lord of the Rings, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what makes them good. you got to play on the emotions a little bit. Yeah, they really make you, like... The real good ones is when you really, like, get into the character. You're, like, you love the character, and then you rip them away. You're right. I know people absolutely bawled during the Endgame though. Like people, like this one, people, like people out here, they'll be like, everybody I went with just started crying. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's kind of what happens. People that know more about the Marvel Universe tend to cry. I mean, I didn't cry, but like it was, it was sad. And it was, the way they did it was good though. I always get sad because of all the Stan Lee cameos, even if it's not like a big, big thing like Endgame. Like even in, uh, Captain Marvel, I did see that one. There was a Stan Lee, and I was like, so sad. Yeah, it was. He, he was in, um, how was it, uh, the new Ralph Breaks, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. Stan Lee was in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's an awesome cameo. He was in, um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, too. Wow. There's only so many more he has, though. That's what's sad. I, I, I kind of hope, like, what I would love them to do is get get his family's permission and then just have a portrait of him somewhere in every movie. That'd be really cool. Yeah, that would be that'd be totally awesome, I agree. They should definitely do that. Like, just somewhere on a wall as the camera's going by, you just see this portrait of Stan Lee. Yeah, and everybody just cries for, like, ten seconds. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, this is a good episode, Walter, for more than one reason. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about movies all day, though, so that's, that's not a, like, not a good subject to get off on. <laughs> You're right, not a subject to get into at the end of the episode. <laughs> no, because yeah, I can sit here and talk hours about movies. Yeah, me too, the ones I've seen at least. I love movies. i got to watch more of them. Binge-watching is my favorite pastime. Jeez, <laughs> it used to be mine. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me today, Walter. This is a good episode. Yes, sir, it was. I'll see you next week for Monocytes. Oh, yeah, we're going to start on and continue on our journey of all the leukocytes in the body. Yeah, like I said, one of these weeks coming up, I'll probably be up there on a Friday, do my bachelor mm-hmm. party, but we could always use a filler episode for that. And we'll just let, and if it's, like, next week when we're recording, we can let people know, hey, we're going to put a filler episode in, yeah, so don't fine. expect the next in the series for leukocytes. For not just like a week delay, so we'll warn you now, but we'll update you next week too. Yeah, when they're not looking forward to the next one, and then all of a sudden it's tardigrades or something. Which, <laughs> yeah, tardigrades which are fantastic, cool. so. so. Yeah, you're, you're, you guys will be in for a treat for that week. Yeah, that's a really good episode. So hopefully, eventually, that can be one of the fillers. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe that'll be the next filler. Yeah, that's a good one. Alright, sounds good, Walter. Alrighty, sir. Well, I will let you go. And you have a good night, and I will talk to you next week. You too. I will talk to you throughout the week on Snap, and then I will talk to you next week. You have a good one. You too, sir.